Um, as, as some of you might already be, uh, know, uh, you know, the reason why I'm on this screen right now and I'm not there, uh, because my, my mom has to have to undergo, she has to go to uh, go through an, a surgery uh, this coming uh, Wednesday, and and I'm gonna take him to Met to Manila tonight. So we'll be flying tonight uh, for the surgery this Wednesday. So um, do pray for her uh, that the surgery will be a success, and also um, in that everything will be done uh, uh, as planned. Uh, so, so that's the plan. That's why I'm here because this is an emergency uh, situation for us as a family. Um, so, uh, another thing also, just I just want to announce this that uh, continue to pray for our venue, uh, whether we're going to stay in this venue right now or move to a new venue. Uh, continue to pray for that. Um, uh, God has given us the opportunity to. Uh, uh, open the way for us to move to a new place, but we want God to do this matter. So, so do pray for that as well. So, the message that I have today, I promised last week that I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish the series on, on, on the Holy Spirit, and uh, and we talk about life in the Spirit last week. And, and I'm going to finish that, I promise. So so bear with me on this online uh, setup. So first question that I want to raise is, and I know you might be asking this question as well, and I want to make sure that we understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit and why do we need to understand the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit's work. So I want us to... To, to answer this question today, why do we need to understand Holy Spirit's work and why this message matters? So uh, there will be no verses on screen, so can you open your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, just open your Bibles to John chapter 14, verse 12. And we're going to hang around that passage. John 14, verse 12. Okay, if you are there, uh, just follow with me uh, with your eyes. Um, uh, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than this, because I am going to the Father. John 14, 12. You know, when Jesus said these words in John, this was the night of the crucifixion. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to turn off my speaker <laughs> because it's annoying me. Okay. Let me give me a second. Okay. Can you raise your hands again if you're able to hear me? Okay, good, good. Okay. Okay. So, so when Jesus gave this uh, uh, words... This was the night of his crucifixion. And, and, and listen to what Jesus said, that everyone who believes in him will do the same work that Jesus did and even do greater things. That we will do greater things than what Jesus did. So, so I, I, um, 
How many of you read, read the Gospels already? Read uh, maybe all four of the Gospels? Maybe again, can you raise your hand? Praise God. Some of you are able to raise your hand, so that's good. Um, now, if you consider the life of Jesus and you consider what he has accomplished, you consider all the miracles he's done and the lives uh, he, he impacted, I think you would agree that his life is infinitely beyond anything we can do, right? It is beyond what we can do ourselves. Now, if you consider also your own life, you consider your, your, uh, your, your accomplishments, you consider also your weaknesses, the truth is we will not ever be able to compare with the life of Jesus. You, you know, think of all your weaknesses. We can never compare with the life of Jesus. But this passage, this passage in, in, in John chapter um, 14, verse 12, tells us that the Jesus' expectation of you, he, what he expects of you, his plan for your life, is to do what he did and even do greater things than what he did. You're going to say, Al, that sounds impossible. Okay, I want you to raise your hand again. Do you believe that this, is, this sounds impossible? Do you believe that this sounds impossible? Therefore, we as Christians, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit because, you know, the Christian life is living the life of Christ. And the Christian life is doing the work of Christ. And we cannot accomplish this in our own power. We cannot accomplish this with our self-determination. Uh, Christ, His expectation for each of you is very high. It is very high. It is greater than what you know, greater than what you imagine. You know, God's desire for you, if you are a believer in Christ, God's desire for you is not mediocrity. He doesn't want you to live a mediocre life. He wants you to live a powerful life. He wants you to live a powerful life. You know, sadly, if you look at Christianity today, if you look at all the, the, the Christians that you see in many churches, their Christianity is just one hour every Sunday. And, 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 and sometimes during the sermon, they yawn and they think, oh, when will this sermon end? This is very long. They can't wait to go home. This is how many Christians uh, experience their Christian life. For some Christians, to them, uh, the Christian life is just a spare tire, or Jesus is just a spare tire. He is just a genie. You know, someone to run to when they have problems, or someone to, to grant their wishes. You know, to grant their quote, prayer requests. But I praise God, I praise God, that in this church, River Life Church, that each of you, you know, many of you, you have the joy, you have the desire to encourage other Christians. You have the desire to teach. You have the desire to train others. And you know, I can see in you the excitement in doing your one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Uh, some of you are life group leaders, and you're so committed, so excited to teach the life, those life groups. 
and even some of you, you encourage your brothers and sisters in Facebook. You make every effort to share your faith. And many of you, Christianity has become more than just a Sunday event, a Sunday gathering. But for you, my brothers and sisters, I see in you that Christianity to you is your life. It is your lifestyle. And I praise God for that. You know, just think about the, the person who, who, who shares or prays at the beginning of our service each Sunday. I tell them to only speak for five minutes, but they end up, end up speaking for 15 minutes. So, so you see, God is at work in their heart. God has so much to say through them. And I truly believe this is the Spirit's work in the life of this church, in the life of each of you. And I would like to pray one more time. And let's bow down our head. I want to pray for God's power. I want to pray for God's uh, the person of Christ and the passion of Christ in our church. Let's bow down our heads. Father God, I ask you, Lord, by your grace and mercy, Lord, to fill this church with renewed strength, O oh God, with power that comes from the Lord, that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that you give us joy that will strengthen us, O oh God. You give us that joy, that strength that allows us to obey you, O oh God. You give us that obedience, O oh God, in our life that glorifies you, Lord, that in everything we do as a church, in everything we do individually, Lord, we will glorify you, Lord. We will honor you, O oh God. And Lord, fill us with the joy. You said in your word, your joy is our strength. So fill our hearts, every person right now hearing this message, fill our hearts with that joy and through that joy we have strength in obeying you and doing your will lord i pray also that the person of christ will will be manifested will be seen in the life of this church in the life of every person in this church that we glorify christ in, in our character in the way we speak lord in the way we live our lives that when people see us, they see Jesus in our lives. They will see the love of Christ in our lives. Lord God, I pray, pray also that Lord, the passion of Christ, the zeal of Christ will be in us, Lord. That we will be excited. That we will find joy in serving you, Lord. That we will be zealous, uh, Lord, zealous for everything that God wants us to do. His purposes of God. Oh God, feel us, Lord. Feel us with these things, Lord. Lord, let the fire of the Spirit burn brightly in our hearts, to God. Lord, let this church be a church on fire, on a church that is passionate for you, Lord, and the things that you want us to do, committed to the task of sharing your word, of making disciples, of teaching, preaching your word, of serving one another and serving those outside the church. Oh, Lord. I pray for those in our church who are struggling. I pray for Atleti Lord Williamine for her struggle with cancer. Sustain her, strengthen her, and let your will be done in her life, Lord. Let healing come upon her body, Lord. I pray also for the success, Lord, the surgery of my mom to not, to this week, oh God, that, that there will be complications that she will heal uh, 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 quickly, Lord God, from the surgery, Lord. And Lord, bless everyone who's Lord, you know each one of them. You know their struggles today, whether it's in their job, their families, Lord. Oh, Lord, pour out your grace. 
pour out your power upon each one who are struggling. And they will be able to rise up, oh God, in your strength, in your power, in their passion for you, in their dependence on you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you still in John 14? Hold on to that. So John 14, 12 is really, really the work of the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to ask me, Pastor Al, how do you know that this is the work of the Spirit? If you go down and read the succeeding passages in verse 16, you'll find out that what Jesus is talking about here in John 14 is the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus says here that he will send a helper, which means that this greater work, this work that God wants you to accomplish, can only be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can even do greater things than what Jesus did. Just think about that. Greater things than what Jesus did. Now, if you go back to a few verses earlier in John 14, uh, John 14, 6, on the same passage, you notice that's where you find one of the most uh, popular, well-known passages in John. It is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, and this passage tells you that his work, the work of Jesus involves drawing people to himself. You know, he is revealing to people the way. He is revealing to people, telling people to believe in him. That's what you find in this passage. In fact, in verse 7, again in John 14, 7, you find this situation here when, when Philip, you know Philip, one of the disciples of Jesus, you know, they've been together for, uh, think about that, that they've been together for three, three years. And Philip does not, know who Jesus is for sure. He was not sure who Jesus was even after three years of being with Jesus. That's why you notice in those succeeding verses, Jesus told Philip, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And Jesus told Philip, Philip, believe in me. You know, believe in me. So, so what is this greater work that Jesus is calling us to do? You know, we might be thinking, you might be thinking, maybe God is calling us to do a lot of miracles. Christians are called to do, you know, supernatural things. But you notice in history, you cannot find a Christian in history that has done a greater miracle than Jesus. You, you haven't found a person who fed, uh, you know, 20,000 people with just five loaves and two fishes. You haven't you cannot find in history anyone who raised, you know, many people, dead people back to life. So what is this greater work that Jesus is calling each of you? I think Jesus is not talking about miracles. He's not also talking about, you know, giving, up, providing for the needs of the poor. He's not talking about that as well. Because these things are simply means to an end. What Jesus, the work that Jesus wants us to accomplish is to draw people to himself. To draw people to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in the beginning, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and that's the reason why he sends the Holy Spirit to us. So that through our lives, 
we are able to draw people to Christ. And I hope I hope this is how, how you understand this passage. You know, I truly believe from reading the context is that the greater work, the greater work that God called us to do, I'm talking to you Christians. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ today in this in this church, listening to me right now, the greater work we are called to accomplish is to lead people to Christ. Is to lead people to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus only had 120 faithful followers after his ministry. How many followers did Jesus have after his ministry, after three years of ministry? He had only 120 followers. And that's what you find in the book of Acts. But if you look at the life of Peter, Peter, when he preached his first powerful sermon in the power of the Spirit, 3,000 people were saved. That was a greater work than what Jesus has accomplished in terms of reaching out to the lost. Paul, for instance, he, he, had, he started numerous churches across the Mediterranean, many, many churches. The, 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 the coverage of Paul's ministry was greater than the ministry of Jesus in terms of coverage. Jesus was only able to reach to people in Judea and maybe in Samaria or, or, or some, in, and of course, in Galilee. But Paul was able to reach the entire Mediterranean. So I truly believe that this kind of work is the kind of work that Jesus wants you to accomplish. The greater work of leading people to Christ. I hope you are in agreement with this statement. If you're in agreement to this, let me know if you agree and let just raise your hand. Praise God. Praise God. At least you're still with me here and you're still awake. <laughs> you know, God is glorified when each of us are obedient and when, when all of us are obedient, equipped, and we're excited in leading people to Christ. You know, sharing the faith Sharing your faith, sharing the gospel is, is what we are called to do. We are to do this in every opportunity. You know, I pray that in this church, you will make every effort to share your, your faith, make every effort to invite, invite people to church, inv invite people to life group. Uh, you know, make every effort to encourage your brothers and sisters in church. Uh, later on, when you're going to have your meals, uh, I pray that you will encourage one another. I pray that you will share uh, something from your experience that you believe will encourage your brothers and sisters. So use that time during your mealtime when you gather around the table later on and share some experience or something from the Word of God that will encourage your brothers and sisters. Maybe maybe if, uh, if someone in the table is sharing something about his or her life and, 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 you, and, you, and you see that it is something good and it's something God-glorifying, Encourage that person. Encourage that brother or sister. So now I want you to turn to Romans 8. Turn your Bibles to Romans 8 now. We're going to go back to our key passage. Let's begin with Romans 8 verses 1 to 4. Okay. If you're there, let me read this for you, first four verses. 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of, of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. We already talked about this last week. That there is therefore no condemnation in Christ. Jesus is not going to condemn you anymore because you trust Him for your salvation. And because God sent His only Son as a sin offering, condemning sin in the flesh. That's what you find in the passage. He was condemned on your behalf. So when Je what Jesus accomplished on the cross, His blood shed, cleansed us of all sins, made our heart holy before God, made it a holy place where God can live by His Spirit. So, so, so when, now that our hearts is holy or are, are holy because of the, what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit can reside in us, can live in us. And I want you to focus on this verse. In verse 4, it says there, So He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. I hope you, you understand what it means. But let me explain to you. Through Jesus, when God looks at your life, God sees us as a person who perfectly obey His law. You know, a person who obeyed His law. Meaning God, when He looks at us because of what Jesus has done, He sees us as holy and righteous. You know, what happened here is that Jesus' own holiness and righteousness is given to you. It's just simply given to you. There's a word in, there's a word that's being used by theologians. It's called imputed, imputed righteousness. A righteousness, a holiness that is simply given to you as a gift because of your faith in Christ. So what happens is now that your heart is clean and the Holy Spirit is in you, your heart becomes the Holy of Holies. It is the Holy of Holies where God lives, where God dwells by His Holy Spirit. You know, when the Spirit comes into your life, it will He will change your thinking, He will change your desires, He will change your priorities. You begin to reject what is sinful, and you begin to love what is right, in fact, in verse 4, it says, you begin to live according to the Spirit. You begin to live according to the desires of the Spirit. So as a believer, this is one important thing you need to uh, think about and remember, that when you become a Christian, there is a marked change. Sa Tagalog, may pagbabago sa buhay. There's really a marked change in your life, a rebirth. And this kind of change, this is where I want to emphasize there is a, this kind of change is the greatest evidence of a true believer in Jesus Christ. Yung pagbabago ng buhay ng isang tao, o Panginoon, the, the, the heart change, life change, is an evidence, the, 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 a, a, one of the greatest evidence of a true Christian, a true believer in Christ. 
You know, a person can confess Jesus. She may be able to, she may say, I accept Jesus. You know, a person might be baptized as well. Pero kung walang pagbabago, if there's no evidence at all that her heart has changed, if there's no evidence that she loves the Lord, if there's no evidence that she loves God's, God's people, if there's no evidence for the love of God's Word, there's a possibility that that person, even though that person confessed Jesus, even though that person was baptized, pero walang pagbabago, no love for God's Word, there's a possibility, a great possibility that that person is not saved at all. Yung confession niya was just an empty confession. That's why Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Meaning Jesus is saying, how do you know a true believer from a false from a, from an unbeliever? Or how do you know a, a, a true believer from, a, from a, a false believer? It's by their fruit. It by their fruit. And the fruit we're talking about here is evidence in the life of a person that he has Christ. Now let's go on. Romans chapter 8, 5 to 8. Let me read this again to you. Succeeding verses. Romans 8, 5 to 8. Those who live according to, to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit God's law, nor it can do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You know, uh, last Friday, uh, the, uh, the, the Leander Light Group was talking about this very thing. And what we find out from this passage, yung tao pala, na kung wala ang Panginoon sa buhay niya, if Christ is not in the life of the person, even the good things he do, he does, or whatever he does, it's, it's still evil in the eyes of God. So think of an unbeliever without Jesus. You might be thinking of an unbeliever, he loves his family, cares for his children, you know, helps the poor, be kind to other people. Now even if this person does those good things, Pero kung wala siya sa Panginoon, if Christ is, in that, is, is in, not inside the life, if not in that person's life, those things are evil in the eyes of God. Now, even caring for your children is evil in the eyes of God kung wala ang Panginoon sa buhay mo. Because if you look at this, if Christ is not in you, because it says here, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And it cannot submit to the to God's law, nor it can do so. It's very hard to accept, right? Or to consider these words, but that's this is what Scripture is saying. So, a person without Jesus satisfies the flesh. You know, people without Christ, their their goals in life is material and earthly. There's no guilt for sin. You know, this person might use Christian words. Maybe this person might even attend church. But when you look at the person's life outside of church, you know, kung buksan mo yung buhay niya, if you pry open the life of a person, you know, who says, no, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. But when you begin to open your life and look at their private life, you find no evidence of Christ. And their flesh dominates their heart. 
their hearts still hostile to God, you know, the person is still headed to hell. In, in fact, in verse 6, what you find is that the mind governed by the flesh is death. So let me say this. Even if you are a new Christian, even if you are a baby Christian, there is 100% evidence that you are a child of God. There is evidence that you are holy. There is evidence that your heart already uh, has a relationship with God, even if you're a new Christian. Kahit bagong Christian ka palang. But a person who does not have Christ, there is no evidence of, of this kind of life when you begin to open their heart. So, so don't worry if you're a new Christian because God already has made you holy. Kahit bago ka pa. Your heart and mind is already governed by the Spirit of God. Okay, let's move on to verse uh, 9 and to 11. Romans 8, 9 to 11. And I really want you to see these things because this is what God expects of us as Christians. Romans 8, 9 to 11. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed God's Spirit lives in you, if anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Isn't that amazing? Now, even though we are weak, even though there are some sins in our life that we struggle with, even though there are some limitations, God says here, the Bible tells us, the Word tells us that He will give life to our mortal bodies. This is talking about not just ordinary life. It's talking about eternal life. So what, what this passage is telling, that even though tayo as Christians pala, believers in Jesus, even though we fail sometimes, we fall into sin, you know, this passage tells us that we are subject to death. What it means is that may possibility tayo na mahulog sa kasalanan. There's a possibility that we'll fall into sin. But what happens if you pry open, if you open the private life of a true believer, if you open the heart of a Christian, of a true follower of Jesus, what you find out is that there is love for God, there is love for the Bible, for the Word of God, there is love for the church, you know, you notice that tayo, kung pupunta tayo sa isang bagong lugar, if you're a Christian, and you come to a new place or a new community, normally what you try to look for is a church. The first thing you want to look for is a church. You want to find fellow brothers and sisters. That's really the heart of a Christian. You long for fellowship. You long for the church. You long for the, 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 the encouragement of other Christians. And that is one evidence of your salvation. There is this longing for God's people. And sin is just an exception. Meaning for a Christian, the sin is an exception, not the rule. And, and, and this passage is saying, telling us that, that there is life in the person's mortal body, meaning there is eternal life. Now, if you go back to John 17, you don't have to open to that. John 17 says that eternal life is knowing God and having a relationship with God. So therefore, 
yung saved pala na person, a person who is a believer, knows God and has desires for God. And not only that, he will desire to even know God more. Parabang, parabang hindi ka satisfied ba? You still want to know God more. You're like thirsty all the time for God. And you want to know Him more. You want to read His Word more. You want to grow more. You want more and more and more of God. And that is what a believer has in his heart. And he has desires to please God. You know, even in his private moments, he, he wants to honor God. But sometimes, you know, a Christian may fall into sin. If you remember in our message last Sunday, that's the reason why God gave us 1 John 1.9 that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Because there are times we as Christians fail. Diba? We fall into sin. So what God calls us to do is to humbly confess. Confess lang yung kasaanan natin sa Panginoon with a humble heart. And God will grant us a repentant heart. God will grant us a guilt-free heart. He will, he will cleanse our heart. Then, we can move on. We can move forward again. Yung palang sin pala, you should not, parang wag kang, kung nakumit ka ng kasalanan, don't stay on it too long. Kung bumagsak ka because of sin, tayo kagad. Tayo kagad. Stand up right away. Don't let it, you know, keep you down for a long time. Because God gave us 1 John 1.9. This is really what 1 John 1.9 is saying. That once you know that you have fallen to sin as a Christian, rise up right away, quickly, as much as possible, rise up quickly and move on. Move on. Don't, don't dwell in self-pity. Don't dwell in self-condemnation. You know, if you know that God has granted you repentance and your heart is free from guilt, then don't go back to it. Don't go back to that guilt anymore. Let's move on. Romans 8, 12-13. says there, Romans 8, 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. This is not to the flesh to live according to it, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You know, Christians, FC, uh, River Life Church, you don't have to follow the desires of your flesh. You are not obligated to follow the desires of your sinful nature. You don't owe the flesh anything. You don't owe the flesh anything. Who among you have received a telemarketer's call sa cellphone you? Can you raise your hand? Nakareceive kayo ng tawag from a telemarketer. Who among you got a call from a telemarketer? Can you hear me? You're good? Okay? <laughs> you know, when you have a call from a telemarketer, just hang up. Just hang up. Dismiss that call and don't feel bad about it. You know, sometimes when I hear a telemarketer call me and I, I listen to what he's saying, he's saying, uh, is this Mr. Mr. Uh, Manisaka? Then, then when I hear that, I will just, I will just uh, dismiss the call. And I don't feel bad about it and hanging up that call. You know, it's like sin. Yung telemarketer, it's like sin. You have no obligation to the telemarketer. You don't have any obligation to listen to that person, to talk to that person, you don't have to feel bad if you're not able to answer that person. It's like sin. Don't feel bad if you're not able to commit sin. <laughs> you have no obligation towards sin. 
But you have an obligation towards the Spirit of God because you were bought with a price. The price that was paid for your life is the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And what, we, what we're saying is that you owe your lives to Christ. You have an obligation to Him kasi binayaran niya yung buhay mo. God paid for you, uh, for your life. And, and you are not anymore a slave to your flesh, but a slave to Christ. You're a slave of Christ. And you're not anymore an outsider, but a member of God's household. You are His child. You are a member of His family. In closing, let me read to you the last part of Romans 8. Then we'll pray. Romans 8, 14-17. And this is what we find in this last passage. And it affirms what I said just a few, just an, a bit earlier. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. River life, you are a child of God. If you are a believer in Christ in our church, you are a child of God. And you are being led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you are in fear again. Rather than the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children, God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His suffering in order that we may also share in His glory. Meaning we will inherit all the blessings that God has prepared for us, for, for His children. So I pray that through this message, I encourage you to give your life fully to God. Let it be your lifetime goal, your lifetime ambition to glorify God, to lead people to Christ with every opportunity you have. Whether if it's an unbeliever, it's a person without Christ, share your faith. Share what you know about God. Share the gospel if you're able to do so. If, if a person is a believer, then make every effort to encourage, to teach. Whatever you know, just share. You know, you know there's something you can, you can teach someone else in this church. You know, sometimes you might be thinking, oh, the pastor knows a lot. And I don't need to teach pastor. But the truth is, I need your encouragement as well. And, and many others in the church need your encouragement as well. And you have something to give. You have something to share. Make every effort to encourage, share what you know about God. Because who knows, right? They, they might be looking for exactly what you're, what you're about to share. Maybe yun talagang kailangan nila. That's exactly what the person needs. Whatever you're going to share to them. Let us pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach, even though uh, the, because of the limitations of the connection, Lord, and the distance, Lord. But, Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters have heard the message clearly from the book of uh, Romans, Lord, chapter, and especially, Lord, chapter 8, O oh God. And, Lord, let your word dwell richly, Lord God, in our hearts, Lord, in our lives, Lord. That it will transform us from the inside out. You said in your word that, 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 that your word does not return to you void. Lord, that is the promise I'm going to claim today, Lord. I ask, Lord, from you, Lord, to make this a reality, Lord, in the lives of my brothers and sisters. That your word will dwell richly. It will accomplish its purpose. Because your word is power. Your word brings joy. Your word inspires. 
And so, Lord, let this be true today, Lord, that even though I'm not with the church, Lord, I know that your hearts, they have that joy because of your word. And as they go home to the respective places, uh, as they face another week, Lord, let their hearts be fueled with the fire of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit, strength of the Spirit, Lord, that is given to your word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may your grace and mercy be upon this church, blessing be upon this church, even our time of fellowship, a time of, uh, Lord, of, of knowing one another better and serving you, Lord God. Lord, bless also the art of parenting class that happen later. And bless the plans that we have as a church. Lord, whether we're going to move to a new place or stay in this place we have right now, lead us, guide us, Lord, help us to make the right decision. And Lord, I ask also, Lord, for that you just guide everyone throughout the week, oh God, that, that, that they will be able to do uh, what you call them to do, Lord. And your hand be upon them in everything they do, whether it's in their jobs or businesses or, or home life, oh God. Lord, be with them, walk with them. And they will always, Lord God, remain in you, fellowship with you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your promise that we as your children can simply rest in you, Lord, and trust you to work your way, your will through our lives, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.